Welcome back. Welcome to 50 Shades of Shilamita, the podcast where nothing is off limits. As a multidimensional, sovereign mom, partner, CEO, serial entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author, I am on a mission to help more women and men become fully embodied in their sovereignty and power so they can live their truth, speak it unapologetically, and live a life free from the matrix. Each week, I will bring you episodes that will awaken you, inspire you to think outside of the box, and step into the leader that you know that you are. The world needs more people who are walking their talk and unafraid to stand in their truth, and I'm here as your guide to help you do just that. I am really excited to bring on my next guest. Susie is a holistic health coach. She's a consultant and health freedom advocate who campaigns for medical freedom, individual rights, and informed consent. She knows that each person has a unique part to play in making a difference, and she is passionate about supporting people in finding their way. She provides resources, data, and platforms to discuss and share ideas to promote positive change in the world. She has spent several years collaborating with organizations to create effective educational campaigns to empower individuals to create change in their communities. Susie is a co-founder of the Grassroots Organization Initiative for Family Health, I4FH. Initiative's mission is to create community to make change for a healthier world by advocating decision-making in broad aspects of health and wellness for all family members of all ages and empowering individuals to be leaders through education, support, and action. This work was inspired by her only child who was injured by vaccinations at one year old. Please help me welcome Susie Corgan to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Shalamita. I so appreciate it. Susie, thank you for being here with me today live from Nashville. I'm so excited to be back in Nashville with you. Me too. It's such an exciting time. We've gotten so many people together, and now we've, what, tripled our numbers just from a few months ago. So I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm so thrilled to be here too. It is like a family reunion, and I really want to reiterate that and remind people of that because I know that in this state of the world that we're living in right now, it starts to get really lonely when you start awakening to the things that you and I know, Susie, but for the rest of the world, they're having a hard time and the wake-up process gets to be difficult. What can we share with them about what's going to happen this weekend and what they can expect? So this weekend, we have several different programs going on Friday. We're going to have an Autism Education Day, and we're getting together with Drs. Noonchwander, Sheila E. Lewis-Ely, who also has a son that was injured by vaccines, myself, and several other people that are going to be talking about solutions for your children that have been injured or that are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. So we're going to be talking about things like communication interventions and various ways to help your child on their biomedical path to really heal their bodies. As we have talked about so much throughout this community is that autism is very much medical. It is not just the DSM neurological diagnosis that we're told and that if you treat those underlying medical conditions, if you really give the body what it needs, the true organic nourishing foods, the clean water, get outside, exercise, grounding, sunshine, that you have a really amazing chance and your body has the ability then to heal. 
So we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff on Friday, and I am let's I'm so excited about that side of it because it was something we added on towards the end here, and something we're going to be moving forward with in full force. Yeah, the last time that we were here, I got to catch a little bit of your speech. I, we always cross paths, but I never get to really sit and listen. And I heard a little bit of your story with your son. I'm just wondering for people that are listening that that think that vaccine injury is not a real thing or that they can't comprehend. I'm wondering how did you know that your son had a vaccine injury? What can you tell us a little bit about your story and how that came about? Yeah, so I was a young mama. I had my baby at 22. His dad and I were so thrilled to become parents. It was just like <laughs> the joy of our life. I always planned to be a stay-at-home mom and homeschool and do all the gardening and whatnot. And so I was really excited about it. He was born big, 10 pounds, 3.1 ounces, but he was born healthy and happy. He developed and just was absolutely incredible that first year of life. We went camping and we got to do all those things that first-time parents get to do. We got to watch the Rollo rolling over and crawling and walking and learning to talk and identifying colors and just being able to interact with us and play. And it was just like this euphoric time of life. I really didn't think that things could get any better. And then at one, we took him in for his vaccines and it wasn't a delayed response for him. He had an immediate reaction in the doctor's office in which they called 911 and had us transferred down to Children's Hospital. So it wasn't a, oh, could this be vaccines? In his case, it was, oh, my God, what did I just do to my child? We went through a lot over the next several weeks and months. He lost all ability to walk, talk, crawl, make eye contact, or do anything functioning on his own. He basically became a vegetable in a very short period of time. And then we spent the next several years trying to recover his body, but he is 15 now. He's still a non-speaker. He can't go to school, and he still struggles a lot in life. So there is no question to me that vaccines can and do cause injury, and that's why I am so passionately outspoken and out in the world because I never want anyone to become the regret parent that I am now. Susie, I have to say thank you so much. I know that it's not easy to share your story, and especially when people are out there making us look like we're crazy and that we don't believe it. But I had no idea that your son had an immediate reaction. Was it to one shot or were you vaccinating him on the schedule? Yeah, I was vaccinating him on the schedule. So it was against seven things in one sitting. He'd also just been on antibiotics and they told us before we came in because he had a fever to give him Tylenol and to alternate with Motrin. So we did that prior to the appointment, following the appointment, and then even after being released from the hospital for days after. And as people that have been in the medical freedom movement, we understand about Tylenol, depleting glutathione, which is like your body's master antioxidant. So we, we deplete that. And then anything that's in the shot that the body is not able to get rid of then builds up. And if you deplete that glutathione, then that stuff stays in your body for so much longer. And for him, it just took up full residence. So he ended up becoming aluminum, mercury, lead toxic. He had a bunch of other inflammatory markers showing that things even like polysorbate 80 just doesn't come easily now out of his body. So he just became like a toxic bowl of soup and he wasn't able to detoxify like he needed to right at the beginning, which caused brain damage. Wow. And I'm curious to know, what was the doctor's reaction to this? Had that doctor ever seen anything like that before? What was their response? The doctor was very startled and actually said immediately, I think this is a vaccine reaction and was the one to say, we need to get into the ER. At the ER, they 
immediately said to me before taking my child, who's basically lifeless at this point, this isn't a vaccine reaction. And I just said, I don't care. Just save my baby. Like, I thought he was dying. So I can sit and argue with them. And I never went back and saw that pediatrician again. Yeah, this weekend we had the trucker convoy and we had a couple of vaccine injured women come up and speak to the crowd. And the one woman said that she's been to 30 different doctors this year and that they're sending her from one doctor to the other and they're telling her that she's crazy. And out of 30 doctors, not one doctor will put the connection together that it's a vaccine. So at this point, how do we educate the people? Like, how do we help people to understand that the doctors just don't know? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? And that's why we're doing what we are this weekend and why we keep doing what we're doing is that we have to get the information out, the vaccine injury, like I said before. It's not rare. It is real. And we have to figure out ways to help get this education so that we can help people because we know mainstream medicine is not going to do that. And that's why we bring doctors like Dr. Neunschwander, who's part of the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs, that he specifically works with kids that have been vaccine injured, or Dr. Jim Meehan, who's also going to be here this weekend. These are the doctors that are willing to dig in and do the work and put their licenses on the line. And unfortunately, that is not what it's come to, because if you say vaccines cause injury, even if you see it, even if a medical doctor sees it, the chances of them admitting that is so slim because they're taking a chance then of their medical license being pulled. So I think that there's so many, there's so many levels to this. We need to be able to support these doctors. We need to be able to empower them to speak truth. We need to encourage parents to seek out this information prior to making any medical decisions for themselves or their children. And we need to support the doctors that are out there doing the work and are putting their licenses on the line and even losing those licenses. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why having these weekends are so important because, as I talked about in the first half hour before you came on live, my new focus now is leadership and really empowering people to lead themselves. Leadership doesn't have to be taking an entire army and making this huge change. It's about being able to change yourself and being able to have these conversations that deep down inside that you are injured from a vaccine or that there might be some truth in what we're saying. We need to start having these conversations with doctors, with senators, with legislators, really with anybody who will listen and even the people who aren't listening because they're also partially listening, right? You just can't help it in the world that we're living in. But what are some other ways that people can get involved from where they are right now if they're not ready to come meet us for a weekend like this? I think you just brought up such a perfect point. It's that we need to be willing to talk to people. We have to be willing to go outside of our comfort zone and just talk to everyone and not be tied to outcomes. And what I mean by that is you might have a conversation with someone in the grocery market and feel like you got nowhere, but you can't be tied to the outcome of them changing their mind in that moment. You have to remember that you're a part of their process. So you may be planting the seed or watering the seed, or you may be pruning the bush. We all have to be aware of the fact that we started at one place. I started as a pro-vaccine person that gave my child everything on the schedule. He had a severe adverse reaction. And now I am so outspoken in making sure that everyone that I know, at least, is given informed consent. So we're, we all have our own journeys. So remembering that when you're going out and having these conversations and having grace with people, understanding that we all have to figure it out as we go. So the one-to-one -one conversations I think is really important. I think events like this obviously are absolutely phenomenal because you do get together with your community, which becomes your family. 
And so many of us have lost our friends and our family members and our coworkers or our jobs. And so to come together in this kind of community where you have that support, you're not crazy, <laughs> you're hugged, you're loved, and you have that, I think that's just so replenishing for the soul and spirit. So if you can't, but if you can't come out and do something like this, whether it's the travel time or it's just something that may be a little bit outside your comfort zone, I would really encourage you to just get together as people in your area, one or two people, get together, talk about what's going on, talk about how you can support each other. We are inundated daily with the negatives on the news and social media about what's going on, but we really need to also focus on the positives. How can we uplift and encourage each other in these dark times? Can I come over and bring tea and sit with you and chat about whatever you're going through or help each other get our gardens ready or whatever that is. But I really think that working on that restorative side of our spirits, our minds and our bodies with each other, whether it's one or two people in your neighborhood or it's 500 people in a weekend like this where you get together and you have those connections, it's so incredibly important. And I really hope that people, all of us, myself including, start really prioritizing that because it's too easy to get stuck in the dark and the overwhelm and to prioritize your own health and your own self-care and everything else that you really need to do for yourself, Bernard, a lot of times. So I would really just encourage that, build your community, join in, get involved, find your voice in your particular area that you want to speak about and go with it. Yeah, I agree. I love that so much. Excuse me. I love that so much. And I think that people also need to remember that we've all been through this. We've all gone down this road and everything that you're feeling, we've all felt before, right? It's like being labeled as an anti-vaxxer is no fun. Being labeled as a conspiracy, there is no fun. But at this point, it's becoming the norm rather than the, the minority. And part of the re- reason why we participated in the New Jersey trucker convoy is because I feel that now is the time to bring us back together as a nation. And if there's one thing that I know about New Jersey and about the United States of America is when there's a crisis, we usually come together as a people. And they've spent the last two years trying to separate us, but now it's time for us to come back together. And to remember that we get to make decisions on our own and that we're not diseased because we don't have shots and all of the things. But the one thing that I saw about you is that you are the co-founder of a grassroots organization's initiatives for family health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I've been working in medical freedom stuff for almost 15 years now. As soon as my son was injured, I just kind of jumped on the (laughs) the bandwagon of, okay, what do we do? How do we get this information out there? And so I did a lot of legislative advocacy work. I started, I was a founding board member of an organization in Washington State that was basically all legislative advocacy. And it was really, I thought it was really important work at the time. I don't regret it all, the hours, the months, the years that we spent doing that. But I realized for me personally, being only focused on the legislative side was really just wearing at my soul and I needed to find some other outlet. And so I actually formed a new nonprofit with a few of the board members of that and then some other citizens out in Washington state that were just wanting to be able to do a more broad educational kind of outreach. And so we started talking about getting glyphosate off the school grounds, making sure that food dyes are getting out of the school system, helping people understand how important it was to get outside and ground and exercise, get sunshine, 
do organic gardening and if there wasn't organic like an area for them to garden in their own yard getting them connected to pea patches which we have all throughout the city of Seattle so it just became really about bringing resources together for people that were living in the state that were just feeling so down because we do live in a very oppressed state we have a governor that is funded by Bill Gates and it has been basically Jay Inslee is my governor and Bill Gates running our state for a long time so if you don't align with their philosophies in life then you're probably going to feel pretty down living in the state unless you find your own community so that's what we did we created initiatives for family health we provided resources and information to anyone that came to us, we started holding classes about things like the and alternative health care and gardening, like I said before, homeschooling, unschooling, field trips, all sorts of stuff that just had to do more with empowering and educating, educating people so that they could have something hopeful to look forward to. And it's been a really incredible experience. It's been about coming up on three years now that we've been working as this organization, and we have made some absolutely amazing connections to the point where some of those people from Washington are actually coming out to Nashville this weekend to support me at this conference. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, wow, that's incredible. So uh, the initiatives for family health, that's something that is local to Washington, or is that something that you guys are thinking of expanding throughout the U.S.? So I, we started in Washington State. Obviously, I live just outside of Seattle, and so that's where our home base is. But, no, we consult with people all throughout the country, throughout the world, really. Anybody that, that gets in touch with us, we connect with and connect to any resources in their area or send them anything that, that they ask for that we already have. So it's really we're based out of Seattle, but we work with people anywhere. Wherever you contact us from, we're happy to, we're happy to help. That's amazing. And for the listeners that are live with us now, how can they find the initiatives for family health if they want to get involved? So the website is initiativesforfamilyhealth.org, and the resources are there, and there's a contact tab on the page, and you can do that, and it will come directly to us. I want to turn this conversation to informed consent. I was talking before the commercial break about how when you walk into a drugstore and you want to go get any kind of medicine, whether it's for a headache, a cold, or any of the things that you have choices, there's shelf space with different kinds of options. And when you pick up any one of those boxes, there is always a list of side effects. This is what can happen. And for more information, you can go look here, right? And then at nighttime, Ben and I are night crawlers. He watches TV, and every so often I'll catch a commercial. It never fails. They always play the drug commercials at night. And in those commercials, they say to you, please stop taking this if you feel thoughts of suicide or you get intestinal bleeding or Oh, my God, the list that goes on, and I'm just horrified that people just listen to that stuff and will still take those drugs or medicine. But I really think it's important that we start pushing this informed consent with vaccinations. And I wonder why, when you walk into a doctor's office, they don't say to you, hey, there's this many manufacturers of this product. You have a choice between this one and this one. Susie, do you have any idea of how doctors make the decision on which vaccines that they choose to use or how they go about deciding any of that kind of stuff or how people can push to get this informed consent that they're not receiving? Yeah, so I would step back just a bit and just say I 100% agree with you. We need to be given informed consent. And unfortunately, when you go into that doctor's office, to get a vaccine either for yourself or your child, you're given a vaccine information sheet, a VIS. 
it tells you that you can expect some swelling or tenderness at the injection site or fever or fussiness, but it's just basically a PR campaign. It's just their marketing materials. It does not actually tell you the adverse effects that can happen after vaccine. If you want that, you have to get the actual vaccine insert. And I know from personal experience with working with other people now that you can go in and you can ask for that vaccine insert and they'll still just hand you the vaccine information sheet, that BIS. So it's really important that if you want to know the true risks of getting any of these vaccines, that you read that insert. Now, when they hand you the insert in the doctor's office and you open it up and you realize that it's 20 pages of eight-point print, you might want to take it home and read that before you decide whether or not you want to get that vaccine for your child. But that is what you should be looking at. You should be looking at the real insert. You can go to the CDC and HHS. You can look at the adverse events that have been reported for those vaccines. You can look up lot numbers. There's a whole host of things that you can do. But you need to be given informed consent, and that BIS is absolutely not informed consent. As far as the drugs that are the drug manufacturers that are chosen for the doctor's office, to my knowledge, it's based off of who lobbies the hardest with that doctor's office, what incentives they get, much like the way that happens in the capitals with legislation that gets brought to the floor. It has to do with how they, how, who they get in there and, and who has the greatest influence with whatever legislators they're working with. That's so interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I've had conversations with people before, and I ask them, when you go to the doctor's office, have you ever received the side effects? And they'll say yes to me. And I'm like, really? But what you said is so true, that they give you a fact sheet. And that fact sheet is what they want to pull out, right? It's not the full list of side effects. So just like you go to the drugstore and there is the pamphlet that comes when you pick up your prescription, that is the same thing that you should be receiving when you are getting a vaccine. But as you're hearing from Susie, it's whoever's lobbying with the doctor. So vaccines are just a business, right? Yeah. That's my perspective is that vaccines are just a business period. I don't, I can be very bold and just say any vaccines that are currently on the market from everything that I know, weighing out risk benefit with diseases that are actually circulating here in the U.S. and the mortality rate of those things that I don't believe that any vaccines that are currently on the schedule, if you live in the United States, are worth getting. I think that there's far more risk than there is benefit and I would never give one to my child. I 100% agree with you. For a long time, I always used to tell people that they should make their own decision, but the more that I show up to these weekends and the more that I learn, the more I am becoming confident with my opinion on this topic, which I also feel that no vaccine on the market right now is safer than your immune system. We really come here as healthy individuals, and we need to remember that our immune system is actually strong enough and capable of, and if you have a small child who has health issues, chances are their health issues are a side effect from a vaccine that they were given at birth or in their younger years. I had posted a chart a few weeks ago, and it showed Vaccines given in 1983, which when I was in 1983, I was four years old. So that's probably the schedule that I was on. And it was, I think there was eight total. And then there's the vaccine schedule for 2022, which is 72 doses of vaccines in the first 18 years of life. 
72 doses. So when you say to me, oh, I had all of my childhood vaccines, that's great because you only had eight, if that, because mm-hmm. if you're any older than me, you didn't even have that many. So now, Correct. does anybody need 72 doses of anything? No, and what's really interesting is that one of my things I do in, as a hobby is I go to the CDC for the ACIP meetings, which is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and there's 15 voting members and 25 liaison members. And at the time, in 2019 was the last time I was able to go pre-pandemic, I've spoken to all of those members. And I sit and I listen to their meetings, and I'm there for two and a half days, and I give comment before every vote. And this is how those votes go. They bring up something like they did in 2018, HEPA that was a new adjuvanted vaccine that they hadn't tested with other adjuvanted vaccines. And adjuvant is the thing that stimulates your immune system so that whatever it is that they're vaccinating you for, if it's measles, well, it's a live virus vaccine, so take a non-virus vaccine, then they'd put an adjuvant like aluminum in there that's going to stir up your immune system and then your body's going to respond to it and create antibodies. And that's how you're supposedly supposed to have immunity to that illness. So they had this new adjuvanted vaccine, and there was a signal from myocardial infarction, and that is a heart attack. And so they were going around the room, and they were talking about this myocardial infarction signal, but they said, real quick, before we do that, let's take a vote whether or not we're going to add this to the recommended schedule or not. Okay, they all go around the circle. It's a 100% yes vote. After the yes vote, then they have the conversation about the fact that this is causing heart attack. Now, this is in 2018. Then they come back and they say, okay, we have a lot of concerns about the fact that this is causing a heart attack, but what we're going to do is we're going to release it to the public. We're going to give out millions of doses. We're going to track in VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and a couple of their other systems to watch for signals, and we're going to see how many heart attacks people have. And in May 2020, two years later, we'll see how many people have died, and then we'll reevaluate. If that doesn't show you the corruption and occlusion that's happening within our regulatory agencies, I really don't know what will. Wow, I can't even believe that. I should be able to believe it because I actually listened to part of the FDA's panel when they were going to release the COVID vaccine for ages 5 to 12, and it was some of the same stuff, like, We have to give this vaccine out to millions of people before we actually know what's going to happen. We do know that one in, I think it was 1,800 boys are going to get myocarditis, but we still feel that the vaccine outweighs the risk of the virus. It's like, how is that even possible that people that are making these kinds of decisions think that a virus that you're going to get a cold is better than getting, no, how did I just say that? That getting the virus is less, wait, I'm confused in my own head now. Okay, take this back one more time, Shell. The FDA thinks it's better to get the vaccine with the risk of getting a lifelong heart problem than to get a virus that most children will survive from. How does this make any sense? It absolutely doesn't. Our kids have a 99.9997% chance of survival. The chances of a child having not just dying from wild COVID-19, if you want to call it wild, that's how I'll differentiate the two. The chances of that happening or even severe disease outcome like hospitalization, it's a zero relative risk. It absolutely does not make sense. Now, I have a child that's 
immune compromised. He falls under that umbrella where everyone says, go get vaccinated for the immune compromised. My child not only could not get this vaccine if I agreed with it or not, or shot or jab or however you want to categorize that, but it wouldn't benefit him because his immune system wouldn't be able to mount the immune response to create the antibodies that they're saying would protect you. So none of it makes sense. The COVID-19 is a coronavirus. It's a family of viruses that other colds belong to. Most of our children have antibodies and T-cell memory to those viruses. So they see their cousin, the COVID-19 come in, that's a cousin to the other coronaviruses that they've had, and they somewhat recognize it and are able to deal with it. That's why our children don't have severe disease outcomes. That's why they don't need this vaccine. That's why it's all BS that they're doing this to our kids now. It is just to sell the doses. This is money makers. This has nothing to do with health. It never has. And parents need to stand up and say, no, I'm sorry. If you need to send your kids to school and that's the only way to do it is giving them the COVID jab, you've got to figure out another way. We cannot sacrifice this next generation of children. A few years ago, there was a study done showing 54% of kids have a chronic illness, 54%. That is absolutely unacceptable. We have to stand up now and say enough because what's going to happen is the next generation isn't going to be able to take care of this generation. We're not going to have a military. Our country is going to go bankrupt, and we're going to be owned by another nation. So if you don't care about your kids or about the kids in the nation, then at least care about our country. Care about yourself. Care about whatever you have to, whatever your buy-in is. I don't care what that is, but you have to stand up now because this is where we're going if you don't. It's so scary. So. At this time, we're going to take live callers. If you want to call in and join us, you can reach us at 319-527-6208. I have one of my favorite callers coming on right now. Let's bring him on live with us. Benjamin, you are live with me and Susie. How are you today? Oh, it's an excellent day here in Nashville, Tennessee. I think it's really a beautiful day all over America because little by little people are waking up. So to push out there to the world optimism today, all right? So today's an excellent day. And how are you doing today, Susie? Are you ready for some health and wellness? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you guys and with the hundreds of other people that have come in and are ready to stand up and speak out and unite and have that, like we were speaking about earlier, having that community and the family that we've created here. So I'm thrilled to be here and just so excited for all the new connections that are going to happen over the weekend. I just find it incredible, Susie. You are very modest because I don't know any other mama bears that as a hobby go to the CDC to watch their internal <laughs> operations and get the kind of information you're giving us today and uh, pointing out how slanted and biased and hypocritical a system and a group of people could be that they would vote on authorizing an experimental shot to be injected into children before they even discuss known side effects that are horrific, life-altering, and if it was their children, I can't even imagine they would put their children out to that. It's so I just want to thank you for being such a proud mama bear, and most of us in this movement were pushed into it. We weren't aware or awake. I thank you. And I have, a, I have an interesting question because I think the more people that listen and learn from you and Shill and everybody out there talking, if they're getting the truth, they need a little help to know what to say to their doctors. Because if you ask your doctor, you don't get 
the truth back, whether they know it or not. They are spouting that CDC, NIH hypocrisy. So how can we slow down and stop them without losing somebody who they trusted? And it's probably time they don't see them anyway. And how do we get more people to slowly and simply begin to advocate? Or where, where are we all going to congregate? I know some of the answers, but I figured I'd ask you. Yeah, so I know that it's hard to talk to your doctor about these things, especially if you have previously been vaccinating yourself or your children and to suddenly have these questions. I can understand why that could cause some maybe a little bit of apprehension, nerves. But what I think is really important to remember is that your doctor really does work for you. He's He or she is not there to make the medical decisions. He or she is there to facilitate a conversation, to give you the information, and to help you make the best decision for yourself and your family. So if you're not sure what to ask, then you can ask some basic questions. Can you tell me what adverse events or can you tell me what side effects, if you'd like to say it that way, what side effects could possibly happen if I gave my child or myself this medication or if I did this procedure, right? It's not just vaccines. It's medications. It's procedures. It's a lot of unnecessary medical stuff that happens because we are a very over-medical country where we just go and we do a lot of extra procedures. We take a lot of extra drugs. I know my grandparents were on 13 different medications and most of which I didn't think were necessary. So a lot of us have just done that. We bought into that medical model. So I would just start with that conversation. And if you feel uncomfortable, if you want to bring a friend with you, you can do that. You can look at websites like ours, Initiatives for Family Health, but there's a lot of resources out there. Physicians for Informed Consent is another great one that has just very basic, straightforward, non-inflammatory information that helps you to understand things like about the flu shot and other, and other medical things that are out there that you may want to start questioning. Yeah, I remember listening to our, from the CDC, not from the CDC, from the Children's Health Defense Fund, Kennedy speaking in Trenton. And when he spoke about the fact that prior to Big Pharma becoming not liable, becoming indemnified, that less than mm -hmm. 18 or 13 percent of our children were chronically ill to now, it's something like 86 or it's a ridiculous number. 86 percent of children are chronically ill before the age of 13. And it's so obvious to me. I'm wondering why it isn't talked about. It's directly connected to all this stuff we're putting in their body. So I'm glad that some people remain healthy, but we don't realize the percentage that we are now making part of this medical humanicide. I don't even know what to call it anymore, genocide. And I just want more people to be able to become aware and get some of these facts because it, it really caused me to become more active in the cause and be willing to do anything, not just for my children, but for my friends' children and for my friends who agreed and even my friends who didn't agree because I felt if we could make a difference for the truth and health and science and the real science, I knew that their kids would benefit too. I'm just hoping more people come along with us. We're here to, I, I'm not traditionally educated, but to me, this is just, this is black and white. This is the real meaning of black and white. And between informed consent and just really not allowing this stuff to hit the market if it's not safe. And it seems like none of it is. We have a war and we need soldiers. I just want to thank you for being such a great soldier. And I know you're a great mama bear and Shill and everybody. And I look forward to getting this turned around sooner than later. Thank you so much, Benjamin. And I would have to agree with you that we go out and we educate and we fight. And I so appreciate your efforts. And we do it, yes, for our kids, but we're doing it for humanity. 
And that's the thing that I don't get with the attacks that, that people will launch at us because we don't get paid for this. We don't get any kind of accolades for this. We get a lot of hate. We lose friends and family members. We were demonized by the media and kicked off social media. There's a lot of kickback that we get for speaking out and speaking the truth. But you're absolutely right. We don't do it just for our kids. We do it for the neighbors. We do it for children we've never met. Because that's what it's about. It's about saving children and humanity, and we're going to do that no matter what the sacrifice is. So thank you so much for your dedication. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Benjamin. Always a pleasure to have you come on live with us. I'll see you at the water park soon. Something that you touched upon, Susie, is that, and Benjamin touched upon too, I know he's been talking about it a lot, is that 54% of our children have an autoimmune disorder. And it's wild to me. 54% means that more than half of the children in the United States of America have an autoimmune disorder. And these statistics and numbers are not being spread and shared. I don't think people know that the average kid walking around has some kind of autoimmune disorder. And like you said, in the beginning of COVID, it's the ones that were considered immune compromised were the ones that were pushed forward to take this vaccine. But I was shocked at how many people actually think that they're immunocompromised and put themselves into this category of being gravely diseased. I think out of all the things happening, that was one of the things that stood out the most to me is how people are so fearful of the things that they have within themselves. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's that we were talking about earlier, the body has an innate ability to heal itself. And really all you have to do is get out of the way. So it's about not injecting yourself with poisons and not taking medications that are unnecessary, but also about eating well and getting exercise. It's like just very basic things. We're not immune compromised. We're exercise deficient. We're clean, healthy, organic food deficient. We have, we're dehydrated. There's all these other things. If we could just focus on that, the foundations of health, which is what I will be talking about this weekend at the summit, if we could focus on those things, I think that we would turn around this country and the health of this country in a very short period of time. Our bodies know what they're doing. They are much smarter than we are. And as long as we get out of the way and provide the nutrients that they need, they will heal and thrive. So I really want to give people that message that you can be encouraged no matter what your doctor has said about you having a chronic illness. Try just implementing the foundations of health and see how you do. I, can, I can't guarantee it, but I can guarantee from personal experience that I have never seen with a single one of my clients them not improve when they've implemented these just very basic measures into their lives that don't cost a lot of money or take a lot of time, but you have to be intentional and purposeful about how you're spending your time. I will have to agree with that 100%. As a licensed acupuncturist, all the years that I've worked with patients one-to-one, it all comes back to the foundations of health. And for me, I didn't know the foundations of health before I became an acupuncturist at 30 years old. I showed up to acupuncture school. I was obese. I was over 250 pounds. I didn't know how to eat. I was eating at McDonald's, Subway, pizza five times a week. I didn't understand that fruits and vegetables had energy in them. I didn't really understand food. I remember the food chart growing up that you're supposed to have so many glasses of milk a day. And I've been dairy free now for eight years and I've never looked better, Mm -hmm. felt better and all the things. And from somebody who suffered with anxiety and depression for most of my life, it's incredible being as happy as I am right now. 
I can't even begin to tell you my level of happy. And it's all because of the foundations of health. It stems from what I put into my body. I ate pizza this weekend. I had gluten and I had dairy because we were so busy. And the next day I just, I felt it. My mind fell off and I was in a happy state of mind, but I could just feel what the food was doing to my system and It's hard to really understand that until you clean out your system. And people will say, oh, of course, if you cut the crap out, that you're going to feel like crap when you bring it in. So, yeah, why would you eat the crap every single day knowing what you feel like when you cut it out of your system? Absolutely. And I can say that just from witnessing you, you do, you really radiate just light and joy and and health and you see it. And so I think that's really important that people know that you can do that. You have the power to take your health back into your own hands, that you are not a victim to anyone else or to any diagnosis. And I think so many times people get a diagnosis of some kind of chronic illness or disease and they get overwhelmed and they just think, okay, I'm doomed. Now I have to take these drugs and this is going to be the rest of my life. And maybe that's what you've been told by your doctor, but that's why it's important to start asking questions to get a second opinion, to go to health coach, alternative health medicine people, whatever you want to call it. I call it real medicine, but, and talk about what your options actually are and start implementing just these basic things, those foundations of health and see how you feel. Give it six months. Track it. Daily journal how you're feeling. Keep track of what you're doing and really pay attention to your mindset and to your to how balanced you feel and connected you are. Keep track of those kinds of things. I can guarantee you that every single person that I've worked with, like I said, they've always seen improvements. So why not take this time right now today to say, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to implement some foundations of health. It doesn't take that much and you're worth it. Your life is worth it. And you're going to live a much healthier, happier, more fulfilling life and be able to then give back to others. Agree. I used to, when I was on food stamps, I used to have the excuse, I can't afford to eat healthy. I don't have the money for that. And the truth is is that you can't afford not to do it because when I was eating crap, I was in doctor's offices all the time. I was on antibiotics. I was at the drugstore. I was doing all the things because that's what I was led to believe was the cure. But it all goes back to this leadership piece of leading yourself. Uh, when you show up to the doctor and they give you a diagnosis of knowing that's not a death sentence just because the doctor said it to you and you don't have to do what the doctor tells you to do. It's about going and learning about the thing that you've just been diagnosed with and figuring out how you can deal with it without taking medicine. Because remember that medicine came later. Holistic medicine, natural medicine, homeopathy, it all came before actual allopathic medicine. And one of the things that I learned, and I think it was actually the last time that we were here in Nashville that one of the speakers spoke about it, is that pharmaceuticals was discovered because they were trying to get rid of rubber or tires. If you really knew what the ingredients of the medicine that we take came from, you wouldn't actually take it. It's just like the food that we eat and the products that we use, we really don't understand how bad they are until we start reading labels and ingredients. And most people, they don't read labels and ingredients. And they just blindly eat things and put them into their body thinking that they're safe because they're able to buy it on a shelf or in a store. 
Yep, that's absolutely right. And we need to remember that whatever you put in your mouth, it's either contributing to disease or contributing to health. And you get to make the decision on what you want to do there. And I totally understand what you're saying about being overweight and not eating well. I did the same thing. I was morbidly obese. I was terrified that I wasn't going to live for my child that has now been injured by vaccines and no idea what to do. And I completely changed my life around as well and went to a whole foods, organic diet, lost more than half my body weight and decided that was going to be my new life path because there was no other life otherwise. And so I think that people sometimes just get like that overwhelm of, oh my gosh, there's just so much to do and it's so hard and I have so far to go and whatnot. But it really is that day by day, one step in front of another and having someone that is going to be alongside you to support and encourage you in that process because there's going to be highs and lows and you don't have to do it alone, but you're worth it. You're worth it in your future, your family, your friends, everyone that you're going to be able to be in community with for the rest of your lives. It's all worth it. The example that you set for your family is worth it. So I just really want to keep encouraging people, and I probably sound like a broken record here, to really look into foundations of health and taking care of your body because you deserve it. I agree with you, Susie. I also feel like a broken record sometimes. I try to really educate people on this topic and healthy eating and really clearing out your mind. And I'm living proof. And so we're walking living proof. I know people watch us in winning season and they're like, oh, but look at your life. You have it so good. But it wasn't always like this. It was learning this information, putting the information into play, being an outcast in society. I used to get food shamed for being gluten-free. I actually had a friend tell me that I was such a pain in the ass and couldn't I just eat like everybody else? And I looked at her and I'm like, I don't understand what your problem is. Like, why can't you just let me be free? Like, why do I have to eat like you if I choose not to? And that's really what we need to encourage people to be is to be free. If you feel that it's not right and you want to do something different, that's okay. Just because society is telling you to do it doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I think you touched on such a good thing there. It's about the individual. Just like it's individualized medicine, it's also individualized diet. Some people do well eating meat. Some people do well as vegans. It's like we all have to do what our body is telling us and really starting to listen to those signals again. Listen to your gut and understand what your body needs. It's not one size fits all on anything as far as I'm concerned in life, except for to be kind. The rest of it really does need to be individualized. I love that. I think that's a great way to end out the show with you today. I thank you so much for being here with me today, Susie. I'm wondering, I know that when we were here in December that we offered an online option. Is there an online option for those people listening that couldn't join us in Nashville? Our amazing videographer is almost here, and he's going to be trying to live stream. I'm going to go meet with him and see if we can do that. If we can't live stream for whatever reason, it will be recorded and then uploaded to the website later and we will be sharing information about that as well because we definitely want to make sure that this gets out to everybody that potentially would want to see it and to share it with our friends and family and neighbors and everybody (laughs) so yes we will definitely have some way for people to watch it after the conference Awesome. So keep a lookout on my page or if you want to go follow Susie on her page and we'll definitely be posting ways that you can join us either this weekend or catch the replay after the weekend. Susie, I know that you have a lot of work to do, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time on joining us today and sharing your truth, sharing your story with us. You are such a brave, beautiful, courageous woman, and I can't wait to hang out with you later. 
Thank you, Sean. I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled to be here. I hope to come back sometime. And, yeah, I will see you very soon and give you a giant hug. Awesome. So for those of you listening, I'm going to let Susie go now. We'll wrap things up today. I really want to remind you about the talk of leadership. I think it's really important to learn and understand that at this point in life, we have to find our own ways to lead ourselves. And I'm going to give you an example. I don't know if any of you are in the coaching world, but one of the ways that I've led myself within my personal development is I used to have this excuse that I didn't like taking other people's classes. I didn't have time to watch replays or to listen to videos, and I would just make all of these excuses. And once I was able to lead myself to actually completing something from start to finish, it changed everything for me. So when I was on food stamps, if you were to have walked into my house, what you would have found was a bomb, right? I lived in complete and total chaos, and it was a disaster. There was nothing that I can call into my life because the energy was so stagnated around me, and I realize now that's how I ended up getting onto food stamps because prior to food stamps, I was actually financially successful. But when you allow for the outside world around you to get super chaotic, it is a reflection of the chaos that's happening in your mind. So you can't possibly accomplish anything if you have all these obstacles in your way. So it's not just about the foundations of health. It's also about cleaning up the environment around you. So in the physical sense, it's cleaning up your house. I know some of you listening are overwhelmed, stay-at-home moms. You've got a lot going on, and it's hard to keep the house clean. And it's not about keeping things immaculate. It's about having some kind of order, right? Because if you're constantly looking at chaos, then your whole entire system is constantly going to be chaotic. And as I spoke earlier in the show, we trap emotions and trauma within to our bodies, and then we repeat them in cycles. So we react and we respond to things based on what's happening around us. Now, in my life, I'm, I'm somewhat lazy. I don't like to admit that, but I am. It's part of my human design that I need rest. I didn't know that until later in my life. So I used to be self-loathing with having chaos and having a mess around me. Unfortunately, I've been able to get myself to a place in my life where I'm able to afford help around me to help with some of the chaos. But If you are not there yet, what I invite you to do is really start thinking of ways that you can start leading yourself into a better way, right? Because we have a choice. We choose to live in the crap that we're living in right now. It's all a choice because you're watching and you're listening week after week. I'm bringing you guests. I'm telling you my stories. I'm sharing with you what life used to be like, and it doesn't happen overnight. Success doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to find everything that you need overnight. You have to live in the current moment, and you need to try and prove that now. What can I do today that's going to get me to be a healthier tomorrow? What can I do today to make a shift and change in my children's lives? What can I do today to learn something that I didn't know? One of the things that I'm grateful for all the time is I'm grateful for knowledge. I'm grateful that I learn something new every single day. As many people as I have working for me, whenever I get a chance to learn something new, I allow them to teach me because I know that I don't know all the things. I don't have all of the skill sets. Do I have a lot of the things? Yep. Am I a very intelligent person? A hundred percent. Can I accomplish more things than most? 
totally. But the fact that I'm still alive means that there's still opportunity to grow and to expand and to really learn more than what I know. And the more that we learn, knowledge is truly power. That is the one thing. Knowledge is truly power. I'm so full that I learned about vaccines when I learned about them because I made the mistake of giving Brady what I gave him and I made the mistake of taking that vaccine myself. And I had to live and pay the consequences off of that. But my youngest son, he is Buddha, and you guys know him and see him if you follow me on social media, the love that he exudes. And part of that, I truly believe, is that his body and his mind is clean. He's never been poisoned. And I know as a parent listening to this, it's hard to accept the fact that you've poisoned your children, right? Nobody is going out there and willingly, knowingly poisoning their children, especially when the doctor tells you that it's safe and effective or you're listening to all of these commercials that are saying that it's safe and effective, but vaccine injury, medicine injury, drug injury, side effects, they are all real. They are not rare. And there is actually a website called realnotrare.org, I believe it's called. Mona that spoke this weekend and Pam that spoke this weekend at our convoy rally. They are two vaccine-injured individuals from the COVID vaccine. They shared their stories with us. It was absolutely horrifying. Mona had shared that a lot of these victims, and they are victims at this point, because a lot of people have been forced to take this vaccination against their will. And now they're suffering for it. And we all know that insurance sucks at this point. Even if you have the most best insurance, it takes time to get testing, to get things like wheelchairs, commodes, that things that everyday people need. So what you can do is you can text REACT to 51055, and that will send a donation to people who are actually suffering from vaccines. Let me just double check that is the right, hold on. Is it five? Nope, that was wrong. Take it back. It's 50155, 50155. I said it, I reversed the numbers before. So you text REACT to 50155. It will take you to a website where you can donate whether you donate a dollar, five dollars, whatever it is that you could give, there are people who are suffering who need our help. We need to come back strong as a community again together. We need to unite as a people and we need to understand that people have made decisions based on what they were told and they are suffering greatly. And we need to come together as a humanity because what's happening in our society is 100% wrong. And you have to be able to lead yourself and to be a part of the movement to make some kind of positive move towards. Thank you to those of you who are listening. Again, my name is Shilamita. It's S-H-I-L-A-M-I-D-A. You can find me on social media. If you love listening to me live, I do live master classes every single month. I do a 90-minute live master class where you can ask questions. We're in a private room together. So check out my master class pass. Check me out on social media. Reach out. I love connecting with you guys. My word for the year is connection. So definitely reach out. And I will see you Thursday. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to 50 Shades of Shilamita. Your support means the world to me. And most of all, I love knowing that these episodes are creating massive impact in your life. Love the episode, share the love on social media, and tag me at 50 Shades of Shilamita. And let us know your favorite takeaway. 
subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts as it helps us get into the ears and hearts of more listeners who need our message and be entered to win some incredible prizes. I am so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you.